Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty. Today in the show, we're going to be talking a little about increasing quality and tonnage in alfalfa. As always, we are happy to take your phone call as well and talk about anything that's happening on your farm or answer any of your questions. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a minute as well. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. So my brother Darren's out doing a little traveling today, looking at some fields. Um, I am really encouraged by how a lot of things look so far this year around our region, at least. I am hopeful and praying that we're going to get some rain soon. We've been getting a little on the dry side. We had so much subsoil moisture going into the year. And I just remember last fall telling guys, yeah, I could I could easily make it till June with no rain. Well, we almost did that. We did get some rain in June. We got some rain in early July. We could just use some rain now to finish off our soybeans. Our corn's mostly made, but soybeans definitely need some rain yet. All right. Uh, Talking about increasing quality and tonnage in alfalfa, we'll have a number of things to get to today. And even if you aren't an alfalfa producer, I'll bet you 80%, 90% of the stuff we're going to talk about is incredibly important in most crops. So we'll get into everything from drainage, fertility, weeds, insects, diseases, you name it. So we will talk about it today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, first one comes from Jennifer. She says, is there any way I could purchase your shows on video, your your television shows? My father-in-law is a farmer in South Dakota and loves your show, but he lost all of your shows when he switched TVs and is now devastated. Would this be possible? Well, Jennifer, let me put your mind at ease. Put your father-in-law's mind at ease. Uh, we have almost everything we've ever done on Ag PhD. It is online. You can go to agphd.com. You can also find a lot of our videos on YouTube. And so I know just uh, some of our older relatives and friends, we've been working on setting them up with smart TVs and things, uh, whether it's a stick or whatever you need uh, to plug into your TV. So they have access to things that are on the internet, whether it's our website, YouTube, whatever it is. But yes, we have a lot of our content that is out there. Uh, and, And it's not going to cost you anything either. Next one is from Wesley in Kentucky. He says, I'm about to apply some fungicide to some soybeans. I normally put 15 gallons to the acre on. Was wondering if you recommend a higher water rate for better coverage or is 15 gallons per acre sufficient? Wesley, a couple of things. First of all, with fungicides, coverage is absolutely the key. If you don't cover the leaf with fungicide, you will not protect that leaf with fungicide because fungicides don't move very well in plants. So would 20 gallons be slightly better than 15 gallons? Yes, it would. If let's say my fields are way far away from any water source, I can live with 15 gallons. But as a general statement, if the water is accessible, I know it's going to take you a little more time to get the spraying done, but typically we do see just a little bit better control. And especially in a year like this, when the economics in farming aren't fantastic. I like to get the best possible return that I can out of the dollars that I invest. Anyway, on top of that, I would just say 
we want a fair amount of spray pressure. We want smaller droplets. And also, we've seen some studies recently. I know there was one from a sugar beet co-op that had talked about their, their results from last year where they'd gotten a little bit better efficacy where they had lowered the water pH. And, and we always talk about calcium, magnesium, a lot of these hard water ions. I, I mean, you want something to address that, but lowering the pH just a little bit could help you as well, depending on the fungicide. So you can talk to your agronomist about that. All right, next one. Let's see. This is Jeremy from central Minnesota. He said, hi, guys. I heard you talking about gel, like a clear gel coming out of corn roots and brace roots on corn last week. So I just figured I would let you know what, what I'm seeing on my farm. And yes, I am getting some of that as well. I'm getting some of this this clear gel coming out of the, the plants, coming out of those, those brace roots. And he said, I'm seeing it more frequently on the outside rows along the field and on the south side, not as many in the center of the field. Uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, he, he had a long, longer email here and he sent us a bunch of pictures, but that's basically the summary of it. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about here, we had gotten this question about a week ago and a farmer said, um, well, actually, it was an agronomist that sent this in, and he said, what's this clear gel that's off of the ends of these brace roots? The brace roots aren't to the ground yet, so they're sticking up in the air, but there's a gel that's like dropping off of them. What is that? And after doing some research and talking to a few people, the only thing that we can come up with, the only thing that we know, and so I'm not saying this is for sure the right answer, but the only thing we know of where there's been a clear gel coming out of roots, it was discovered just a couple of years ago down in South America. And what they found is there are actually some bacteria that can help a corn plant fix its own nitrogen. Now, if that's true... <laughs> that's exciting, right? In fact, we know of a product, we're using a product this year called Anhydro on our farm, and I know there are a number of other people using that in the Midwest as well, where some of the bacteria strains actually came from that, from that gel. So it's exciting. We do believe that there could be something there. And this is something if you wanted to work with some company out there, maybe they could analyze it and see if there indeed are some bacteria there that are the same as what they found down in South America. So obviously for any corn farmer, man, that'd be that'd be huge. Even if we didn't have to put on 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds of nitrogen, just think of what that can save you every year. I mean, it, it all adds up to dollars and cents. And like I was saying earlier, especially right now with the way the farm economy is, I mean, we need every possible advantage we can get. So Jeremy, hope that's what you've got coming out of your plants as well. And uh, hopefully you end up with a great crop. Thanks for the question. All right, we're going to talk a little about increasing quality and tonnage in alfalfa. Coming up next, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit FarmShopMFG.com. I've got an axe to grind. I hate bromes. Brome grasses can be brutal on winter wheat yields. If you really want to give winter wheat a fighting chance, be brutal right back with Prepare Burn Down Herbicide. Adding Prepare to your glyphosate extends brome control for up to 21 days, giving young wheat the weed-free head start it needs to make something of itself. Because the cleaner the field, the higher the yield. Talk to your retailer or visit preparewinterwheat.com and always read and follow label directions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. We're talking today about increasing quality and tonnage in alfalfa. First on the show, we got Trevor Israel. He is with Valent. Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, Brian. How are you? Doing great. All right, so as soon as we talk about this topic in alfalfa, increasing quality and tonnage, uh, where do you usually take that with the farmers and agronomists you're talking with? Uh, well, so um, I guess generally speaking, um, increasing tonnage and quality is, um, you know, management practices, uh, uh, the big uh, cultural management practices, uh, picking the right varieties, the right timing, uh, um, good, well-prepared, uh, fertile field. Um, I know alfalfa is sometimes, you know, is usually seen as a rotational crop uh, for various reasons and for good reasons too, but uh, for uh, you know, maximizing yields in season for that crop is uh, very desirable for a lot of people too. So, you know, you you see the, you know, what the uh, priorities are with the crop, um, you know, for a rotational crop, uh, uh, maximizing yield as a hay crop, uh, what, what type of um, uh, resources you have available to you, and also, you know, making sure you go in and, uh, for a good plant establishment and have a good game plan for uh, for pest management and um, and fertility as well. Yeah, so speaking of pest management with Valent, what are the main products that your your company has in the alfalfa market? So in, in alfalfa, uh, the main uh, uh, management uh, options we have uh, would be um, actually on the um, um, biological chemistry side, uh, rather, would be the pyganic. Uh, so that's a birational uh, solution we have, um, and that has uh, excellent control of uh, uh, leaf hoppers um, and other uh, pests found in, in alfalfa. You know, we also have some uh, organic options uh, for uh, folks in that arena as well. So talk to us just a little bit more about that. So the, so Pyganic and 
leafhopper control, what can a farmer expect and how quick does that product work? So for the, for the pyganic, um, that is a pyrethrum based. So that is the natural pyrethrum derived from the, the plants. It's not a, um, a more refined pyrethroid that you hear. Um, um, some of the other classic chemistry that's a synthetic pyrethroid. So um, it's not as refined, so there's uh, different expectations of control, um, but to, um, still providing, you know, in comparison to some traditional chemistries, um, control that's in the realm of uh, 60 to 70 percent uh, oftentimes is considered phenomenal with a, a softer chemistry. Um, you know, for, for this uh, a pyganic as well, uh, maintaining a uh, really narrow pH range uh, from about uh, you know uh, roughly around seven, uh, six and a six and a half to uh, to seven and a half uh, is that would be excellent or, or five you know right around seven, um, just to maintain that pH range in the spray water is, is critical as well. Uh, some things to watch out for, but um, you know the the timing uh, and coverage is critical. The the pyganic, it's a um, a, a knockdown product, um, so maintaining excellent coverage is, is critical. And you mentioned organic options. Are there any specific other products that you wanted to mention? Uh, yes, there's uh, for, for alfalfa, um, another product we have for um, uh, in the biological arena is, uh, is MycoApply Endo. Um, you may be familiar with Endo Prime. Uh, that's an inferro option in cord. Well, the Microply Endo granular is a granular formulation that you can mix in the seed box uh, while planting, while establishing alfalfa. It's about the same size as alfalfa seed. Um, goes in, uh, mix it together, just adjust the planting rate uh, a little bit heavier uh, to account for the product in there, but it'll actually colonize as you plant the alfalfa and um, from the get-go, it'll it'll colonize the plant, uh, and it's a mycorrhizal fungi that uh, four different species of mycorrhizal fungi that actually grow along with the plant, help it from um, uh, drought stress, and help it acquire more nutrients, uh, you know, particularly phosphorus or moisture as well throughout the growing season. Anytime there's stress, uh, the mycorrhizae can help uh, the alfalfa bounce back, especially after, a, say, a dry period, right after a cutting uh, in season, you know, really helps those buds to um, to bounce back and uh, provide a better flush for a, uh, another cutting. So uh, we've had uh, various studies uh, a lot out west where we've seen uh, benefits, uh, cutting uh, tonnage increases or uh, after several cuttings, even in the second year. So it's kind of, it keeps paying for itself cutting after cutting, just uh, growing along with the plant and seeing, uh, you know, excellent uh, pound uh, tonnage benefit uh, for the alfalfa. Yeah. yeah, it just goes along with soil health, plant health. I mean, this whole bio-rational thing is a pretty exciting arena. Well, again, we've been talking to Trevor Israel with Valent. Trevor, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Brian. Take care. You bet. Let's go next to uh, Brian Spencer. He is on with us. He is uh, with Case IH and their Baylor marketing manager. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm good, Brian. How are you? Excellent. I'm glad we had you on today because, you know, we we deal with things from the agronomic side all the time and not maybe as much talking enough, I should say, about the equipment that it takes to do the job right. 
and baling equipment has certainly changed over the years. Can you talk to us just a little bit about uh, maybe some of the more unique features now, maybe some of the technology that has advanced in, in terms of balers? Sure. Uh, you're talking round balers. Um, you know, the new trend or, or let's say industry direction has been increased density. Um, lots of trade-offs, lots of payoffs for having a heavy, dense bale, uh, you know, more product in the bale. So you're reducing uh, net wrap costs, uh, handling costs, because you're chasing less bales across the field. You're optimizing your transportation. You're optimizing your storage uh, it may even affect your feeding cycle because you've got more product every time you feed. Uh, so you may feed, you know, one less bale per week. So that's really been, um, you know, how the industry has been moving recently uh, along with that and a, and a shift towards baleage or putting up wet hay. So our topic today was increasing quality and tonnage in alfalfa and how you bale is certainly going to affect the quality. Can you talk to us a little about that? Sure. Uh, it's all about dry matter loss. Um, you know, on the baleage side, it's always been or promoted as towards a, a more leaning towards dairy. Uh, but in the last oh, five to seven years, we've really seen a trend towards uh, the beef cattle guys going towards baleage, putting up hay uh, in excess of, of 40 percent moisture, uh, wrapping it because you're seeing uh, a lot less dry matter loss, leaf retention, better fermentation, uh, storage. Um, capabilities goes up uh, you don't have to have it in a barn um you, you have to do the handling with the plastic and everything but uh the cows like it better healthier looking calves so we've seen that on the baleage trend and then just uh with a heavier dense bale you're seeing um you know increased or improved fermentation yeah, it's funny that we're talking about this today. Just a couple of days ago, my young daughter, uh, we were driving down the road and she saw one of the bales with plastic around it. And she's like, what are those bags on the hay balls? And I go, you mean the hay bale there, the plastic? Yeah, that we we never saw that when I was a kid. Or if we did, it was clear plastic. So, I, I mean, talk yeah, to us about that. a lot more marshmallows in the field. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, when did that, well, just talk to us real quick about the that type of plastic versus the clear plastic we used to see all the time um yeah there's there's white there's there's black uh, not a whole lot of differences ways it's going to affect uh the hay um you know you got the tube wrappers you'll see a lot of that um where the guys just lay it all north to south and and a guy will come in and wrap it and it's all one big long snake um, and then, you know, they have the individual wrappers, you, you know, you'll see those in white and, and black. And that's where, you know, a, a, you pick up the bale with a loader and bring it to a wrapping table, or it might be a combi baler that has the, the wrapper on the back. Um, and there, there you, you know, really uh, labor comes into, uh, into play there. Um, you know, how much labor do you have available to you and, and what's your weather window? Uh, yeah. Bailing with baleage uh, really shortens hey. your... Hey, uh, improves your weather window to work. Hey, hey, Brian, we got to take a. a I, I apologize. We got to take a quick commercial break. Hang on, hang on with us just a second. We'll be right back. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you, to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. 
See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and its burn-down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. I've got an axe to grind. I hate bromes. Brome grasses can be brutal on winter wheat yields. If you really want to give winter wheat a fighting chance, be brutal right back with Prepare Burn Down Herbicide. Adding Prepare to your glyphosate extends brome control for up to 21 days, giving young wheat the weed-free head start it needs to make something of itself. Because the cleaner the field, the higher the yield. Talk to your retailer or visit preparewinterwheat.com and always read and follow label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Right before the break, we were talking with Brian Spencer with Case IH. Brian, sorry about that. Um, you, you were uh, we we kind of interrupted you there. I apologize. We had to take a quick break. Uh, do you want to finish up on on your points you were making there? We were just uh, wrapping up with baleage and just the the benefits of, of baleage as far as uh, the reduction of dry matter loss and improved feedability. So what else did you want to visit with us about today when it comes to increasing quality and tonnage in alfalfa? I mean, what are, what are some other big keys that you're talking to farmers about? Um, you know, it all starts with, uh, you know, how you lay it down, how you cut it. Um, you know, if you've got a mower conditioner where you can uh, get a good crimp, a good condition on that alfalfa and then spread it wide, uh, as wide as possible, you know, from the, the machine, um, the more leaves uh, you can expose to the wind and to the sun, uh, the faster you're going to close those leaves up as far as uh, getting the pores closed. Uh, they'll dry down faster and retain more sugars and carbohydrates for, for better feed value. 
So what are the biggest mistakes that you see farmers making? I mean, is there is there any one or two things that, that you go, oh boy, I wish they wouldn't do that and they'd have a better result? Oh, certain things like, you know, a flail conditioner in alfalfa, um, you know, are not paying attention to uh, some of the finer points of a, of a roll machine, like uh, uh, conditioning roll pressure, um, you know, the pressure it takes for those um, rolls to start spreading uh, when that crop's going through there. You know, if you you can under condition, you can over condition very easily. So pay attention to your, your roll pressure settings. Yeah, it's kind of like everything else. It's just really attention to detail. I don't care what the operation is on the farm. The more you are working on those little details, the better off you can be. Well, again, we've been talking to Brian yeah, Spencer absolutely. with Case IH. Brian, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You bet. All right, next we're going to go out to Washington State. we got Drex on with us out there. Hey, Drex, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Excellent. So I, I know for your alfalfa crop, you export a lot of that. What are they looking for in the export market when it comes to just overall quality of alfalfa? Uh, the big three are color, leaf attachment, and uh, high-quality lab results if you want to make the top-tier export hay. Uh, they, they, don't want, they don't want dry leaves in the bale. They don't want leaf dust in the bale. They want uh, nice attached leaves in the bale. So that, that means uh, what you were speaking about in the last call, the attention to detail of, of uh, proper curing and then uh, uh, hoping for the right dew moisture to come in and and allow you to make that perfect bale of hay. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next is how are you hitting these different things? Let's start with the color. Is are there is there any certain trick that you've found where you go, boy, if I do this one or two or three things, I have a better color for that export market? Uh, number one is maximizing uh, your conditioner rolls making sure they're in good repair, proper tension, uh, and and not just thinking that they were good for first cutting, so they're probably just fine for second and third cutting. Mm-hmm. Uh, constant constant adjustment. Okay. Uh, sometimes, depending on the, the volume of hay in the field, we may adjust windrow width to uh, either maximize exposure to air or minimize exposure to sun. <laughs> it's kind of a knife edge that we walk sometimes with that as far as uh, maintaining the best color. And then the other thing I'd say is uh, soil moisture conditions. And uh, being as we are irrigated farming, we've got the luxury of, of uh, keeping our crop irrigated and healthy straight, straight through until it's time to cut. And so then depending on the the time of year we could be as little as three to four days off with the irrigation before we cut could be as long as as 10 days but um, there again it's a knife edge if you uh, if you have your ground too dry especially when you're running a rotary type head on your swather you can uh, suck up a lot more dust and that dust can uh, occasionally have a negative impact on your lab results sure so talking about that windrow width 
you just said could be wider, could be more narrow, could, I mean, it's going to depend on sun and I'm sure heat and wind and everything else. So how do you make that call? I mean, is there like in the middle of the summer, are you going to a, uh, a bigger windrow when it's a little bit cooler in the spring and toward fall, do you go uh, a little a little less so you get more air on it, or what, what are you doing? I mean, just as a general statement. As a general rule, the heavier the hay, the wider we lay it out, regardless of time of year. And and our first cutting is typically our biggest cutting. So uh, first cutting, we will go ahead and and run pretty much the full width that the swather can, can lay it out and uh, and the full width that, that whatever tool you use to turn it over, rakes or mergers or whatever, uh, the full width that, that those can accept. And and we find that that's, that's best for us in the heaviest hay. Sure. Uh, as you get lighter hay, then I like to narrow it up, but maybe not not to the most narrow. I don't want a big pile of hay that, that can't breathe, that, that lays on its own weight. Uh, but there again, I don't want every stick laid out singly to bleach in the sun. So, uh, and and it's uh, just like a lot of people come to different methods of how and when and how deep they like to plow. The argument over how wide or narrow to make your windrows and when to do it is... is uh, good fodder for around the table at the coffee shop as you're explaining all this it it just kind of made me chuckle a little bit because i think about a lot of non-farmers who go oh you farmers have it so easy you just you, you cut the hay you bale it you go home and it's like oh my goodness there's so much to it and you mentioned earlier the getting high quality lab results do you have any tips for us on that are there any one or two things there that really stand out so you get better lab results well, it obviously starts uh, in the field, and maybe even before that, um, you know, quality seed is, is critical. Quality seed's critical to, to yield and to quality alfalfa. Um, we rely on, on uh, our state hay growers association uh, variety trials to pick the, the varieties that will yield the best for us. Uh, once you get the alfalfa in the field and growing, um, timing of your harvest to meet what kind of quality your market would like to see is uh, is probably one of the important things. Are you going going to cut uh, sure thirty day hay and and have yeah. a better chance of test? Or are you going to cut forty five day hay and 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 bank on volume? And and both are both are viable. But uh, once once you get the hay cut. Uh, there again, attention to detail, minimizing dust through your uh, hay cutting process, control of, of gophers and badgers and things that may dig in the field and leave piles of dirt, uh, smoothness of your field so your swather's not cutting high places in the field and, and putting that dirt in the hay is, is important. Uh, there again, quick quality drying and, and not over conditioning so you maintain leaf attachment through, through the cutting. Uh, and then proper baling, the major portion of our nutrition, which gives us the big numbers in, in lab tests, is in the leaves. And so we want to get every one of those in the bale. And if they're staying hooked onto the stems, they're more likely to make it in the bale. And then I've, I've seen some articles in, in a couple of the 
forage magazines lately uh, about how you actually uh, sample your hay for testing. And I think that's another place where folks sometimes have a downfall, whether they bring in a single flake or whether they're grabbing stems out of an unveiled windrow. Um, you've got to make sure and get a, a, a large sample out of the field. And to get a to get a, a large sample that fits into a small space, the best thing to do is, is get you a good uh, bale coring tool and, and, uh, and take care of it that way. Yeah. A, a very good random sample through your stack. Yeah, it's, it is, there's a lot to it. Drex, this has been very educational. Thanks a lot for the time. Really appreciate it and want to wish you the best of luck this season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the end zone fan control system from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The end zone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the end zone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products. Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Hey Adam, new drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree! In the power line! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser.
We're talking about alfalfa today in the show, increasing quality and tonnage. And I mentioned earlier in the show, even if you don't raise alfalfa, there are many things you can do in this crop just like you can in other crops. So if you want to have more quality and more tonnage, the first things we always talk about, and again, I don't care if it's alfalfa, if it's corn, if it's whatever crop you're raising, drainage is always going to be number one. Now, yes, if you are in sand and in a hot area, then we're, we're talking water management one way or the other. So for you, irrigation. So drainage for me, irrigation maybe for you, I don't know. But addressing that, super important. Like Drex was saying, when he's got irrigation there on his alfalfa, it's awesome because now you can get your soil moisture just right and have hopefully better quality a lot of times and obviously more tonnage as well. Anyway, drainage is a big key, but we do get a lot of questions about drain tile and how is alfalfa, because it's a perennial crop with deep roots, how does that affect our drain tile? Well, look, if you're only going to leave the alfalfa in for three or four years and then take it out, most of the time we don't see a lot of issues. If you are leaving that alfalfa stand in for five, six, seven years, there's certainly more chance that those alfalfa roots are going to get down. They're going to find the tile lines here and there. And as they live in there longer, then there's more chance they're going to catch dirt and there's more chance that that tile is going to get filled up with dirt or damaged somehow, some way. That's just the way it goes. So I'm not going to not put tile in the field because I want to raise alfalfa at some points. You've got to have good drainage or you're not going to raise a great crop of anything. So I'm still going to look at putting tile in there. It's just I might have to replace it a little more often. The other thing you can do is you can have the tile deeper down in the soil. The deeper you go, the less chance huge roots are going to be in there and causing any major problems. So drainage is always for me number one. Number two is going to be fertility. Now we talk quite often with alfalfa that, look, you've got one chance in your three, four, five-year stand life. you got one chance to get your pea and your zinc and to some degree your potassium down into that soil. So if I was going to raise alfalfa, I would look at, okay, how many tons am I expecting to pull off in the next three or four years? And I'd put that much phosphorus down deep in the soil, not at the soil surface. So there's no environmental issue at all. I realize some people are going to go, oh, you're going to hurt the environment. No, you're not. Phosphorus doesn't leach at all. So, I mean, unless you way, 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 way overdo it, and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about low to medium levels of phosphorus in the soil. So I'm talking 20, 50, 80 parts per million of P1 phosphorus. To me, that's low to medium. And we're talking about getting more phosphorus down deep where those roots are going to be. So if you place it down at six inches or even a foot, that's awesome. And you're going to pull that up very well over the next few years in the life of that stand. But you got to think ahead a little bit. You can't just throw a little bit of P and K and zinc out there every year. The reason why is because it's not going to get down in the soil very well. So yeah, it'll be on your field. It won't be in your field very well. So if you want to have use of that money that you just spent on the fertilizer, 
put it down where the crop can actually use it. Don't just lay it on the surface of the soil to sit there for three or four or five years. And, oh, eventually I got use out of that. You can do that, but I'd just assume if I'm going to spend money on fertilizer, I'd like to suck it up in the next year or two or three years with my alfalfa rather than let it sit there for another half a decade. Uh, then we get to weed, insect, and disease control. And the number one thing I always advise alfalfa producers to do is start with a great pre. The best one is Eptam. Use a half a gallon to the acre. It's got to be instantly incorporated, but it is fantastic. It's the same thing as the old eradicane, if you remember that from years and years ago. It's just eradicane without the corn safener. And yes, it costs some money, but it's so good. If you have to use some type of uh, dor- dormant product. So in other words, when your alfalfa goes dormant in the winter, there are people that'll use Metribuzin or they'll use Velpar. I mean, there are a number of products that you can use when the alfalfa when it goes dormant in the winter, but it's hard on the crop. It's just, if, for me as an agronomist, I don't like using those products. If your weeds are that bad and you can't control it with anything else, then I'd just tell you, it's probably time to rip that stand up and start over. So Anyway, what we usually will say post-emerge in terms of weed control, you can kill the grass real easy. There's Select Max, there are all the clethodems. I mean, there are all kinds of products for killing grass. It's the broadleaves that are the problem. You really only have three products. you got Raptor or Pursuit, basically same thing. You've got Buterac at a very low rate, maybe an ounce or two of Buterac. That's 2,4-DB. That is going to burn the, the alfalfa, but if you just use a very low rate, it's not too bad. And then you got Buctrol. And that's really it. You just don't have many options. I mean, obviously you have Roundup if it's Roundup Ready Alfalfa. But that's why we want to start with a great, and I mean the very best pre. Then in terms of insects, got to be scouting that on a regular basis. And make sure you're scouting well before you want to make your cutting. Because a lot of the rotation, or I should say pre-harvest intervals, are seven days. So in other words, you got to scout early enough so you can still get your spraying done so you can cut on time. Don't be waiting until you cut and you go, oh, there are a lot of bugs out here I see that I, while I'm cutting. <laughs> well, what's probably going to happen now is you're going to hurt your stand a little bit. You're going to delay the growth, the, the regrowth that's coming. And now you just set yourself back, not just for the next cutting, but potentially for the life of that stand. We don't want bugs, harmful insects, damaging that crop, injecting injecting toxins into the crop. Watch out for that. And then finally, disease. I guess I'd just say not a lot of alfalfa producers are using fungicide, but we would encourage you to at least consider that. And also consider using a strobe like Headline in the fall. And you might say, what? Why would I use it in the fall? Well, because we're seeing a little bit better winter survivability. So ideally, we'd like to keep that alfalfa producing well each and every year, not just, oh, it's great the first year, it's okay the second year, third year, uh, it's, it's not, the, not the best. <laughs> We'd like three or four great years. That's how you make some money raising alfalfa. All right, um, that's about all I've got on alfalfa, but we're going to jump back into some of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag here. Uh, first one is from or next one is from Hamilton, and he says, uh, "Hey guys, we're talking about pH issues. I use microbes to overcome the pH issues. What do you think, um, Hamilton? I I I don't know what microbes those would be, but if I've got low pH, you got to put lime out there. 
if I've got high pH, then we got to work. Usually it's a drainage issue. It might be a sodium issue. It might be a magnesium issue. But a lot of times it is it is all caused because there's a drainage problem out there. And then sometimes we'll use elemental sulfur to lower the pH, but it just depends on what that soil looks like. I'll say this. Microbes don't live if there are most microbes, the aerobic microbes do not live if there is no air in that soil. So if you don't have the drainage issue taken care of, then any microbes you're going to use to try to overcome any pH issues, they're going to die and it's just not going to work well at all. All right, uh, next one here. I don't have a name on this one, but they were just giving us a comment. We were talking about organic matter the other day, and they said, uh, hey, it's great, great information, guys. I heard your reference increasing your organic matter roughly 3% in a lifetime. Can a farmer ever do significantly better than this? Well, for one thing, it depends a lot on how you, how long you live. If you make it to 100, I had a, uh, a great aunt who made it to, let's see, she was 101, almost made it to 102. Well, if you live 101 years, and let's say you farm 80 of those years, you can really change a lot of things on your farm. But, I mean, honestly, even in a 40- or 50-year farming career, can you increase your soil's organic matter more than 3%? Is it possible, first of all? Yes, it's possible. I'm not saying that even if that's your number one goal in your life, you're definitely going to get it done, but it is possible. And the things we talked about especially are, number one, you have to reduce tillage if you want to increase the organic matter faster. So on top of that, it's helpful when you raise crops that have a lot of roots because that's where a lot of the organic matter comes from. It's not all the above ground material that you see. It's the root mass. And then other things like using manure or compost, using cover crops, using some biological or as we call them natural products. All those things certainly can help. All right, we'll get to more of your questions right after this in the Ag PhD mailbag. And again, if you've got a question for us, our email address is radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop, grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop agro liquid precision crop nutrition apply less expect more find a retailer at agroliquid.com customer service goes a long way when trying something new ryan shaw from michigan shares how soil warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation the Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. More choices, more money. With Bayer Plus Rewards, you choose from our broad portfolio of high-performance products, 
Earn more money on the eligible products that are right for your farm. And use our new portal to see your purchases, track your rewards, and decide how you want to use them. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to sign in and start earning. That's the advantage of more control in your hands. That's the plus. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rose? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo. And it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty. If you've got a question for me, 844-44-AG-PHD is the phone number here. Again, that's 844-442-4743. Or you can send me an email, radio at agphd.com. That's what Chris just did. He said, Brian, I have a sweet corn field that was not harvested last year. So later in the fall last year, I rolled it down. My question is, how much green manure or fertilizer did I lose by not disking it down green? Uh, Chris, excellent question. I would just say this. If nothing left the field, then you didn't lose anything out there. I'm not too worried about it. What I, what I would tell you, though, is how quickly are those nutrients going to come available? Well, it's not going to be quite as quick when you just roll the stuff down and it's laying on the soil surface and it has to break down more slowly as opposed to when you disc it down and get it down into the soil where you have a lot more microbes that are going to be working on it. And anyway, I, I, I just say this, I don't, I don't think you have any problem. I think you've got a lot of fertilizer that's going to be left for whatever crop you have it's just not it wouldn't have been available super quick this spring if you just rolled it down all right next one here is uh famudin who at, who says hey can you guys talk about herbicides in a ginger crop um, on your tv show um, we we may do that at some point might have to do that on the radio uh honestly i don't know if i've ever talked about a ginger crop in my life but yes there are certainly some products that can be used there thanks for the question all right uh, or the uh, suggestion next one is from brian who is from canada he says hi guys love the show keep up the good work i got a question for you about sulfur in soybeans you guys were talking about that the other day I used your Ag PhD app for fertilizer removal, put in a yield of 80 bushels. It says the crop will need 28 pounds of sulfur for the crop season. Now, ammonium sulfate has sulfur in it, but I feel the nitrogen part would be wasted to apply in the spring because the soybean plant can produce its own nitrogen. Is there another source of sulfur I could apply to my crop? I'd appreciate your thoughts and opinions. Uh, Brian, yeah, there are lots of things, uh, lots of products that you can use to get sulfur out there. So just for example... 
on our farm, we use manure, we use lime, we use gypsum, we use compost, we use zinc sulfate, copper sulfate, manganese sulfate, trying to think of any so I think I'm up to eight products there already uh, we do use some ammonium sulfates that's nine we use some ammonium thiol sulfate that's 10 uh, trying to think of anything else that we're using that's got sulfur in it but you see where I'm going with this there are a lot of options there here's the other thing I want to tell you with ammonium sulfate and it depends on your soil pH but let's say you got a neutral soil pH of seven that ammonium sulfate the ammonium part in there it's going to take about 60 days to release so in other words, we, we look at ammonium sulfate as a, nitro, a controlled nitrogen release product. It does work that way. And many times soybeans can use at least a little bit of additional nitrogen on top of what they can produce themselves. Keep in mind, at best, a soybean crop is said to produce only about 70% of its own nitrogen. So you're counting on organic matter release of nitrogen. You're counting on some nitrogen carried in from the prior season. But especially when you said 80 bushel beans, that's a lot of times the cutoff I use when I tell guys, you know, if you're shooting for above 80 bushel beans, a little bit of added nitrogen might not be bad. So I will tell you on our own farm, we used some ammonium sulfate this spring in front of soybeans. Not a lot, but we used some. And that's how we got got some sulfur out there for that crop. Soybeans need sulfur. Now, every crop needs sulfur, but we we talk often about this the, the sulfur nutrient that it is under-discussed, we believe, because as farmers, our dads, our, our parents, I should say, our grandparents, they used to get all the sulfur they needed for free, raining down from the sky with our air pollution. We don't have that so much anymore. Plus, our yield goals are so much higher. So almost every farmer out there needs to apply at least a little bit of sulfur almost every single year. All right, next one is from El Patel, who just has a comment for us. He says, you guys have the best YouTube channel. I uh, love it. From India. Uh, thank you for that. Really appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Next one is from uh, uh, Tama, and who says, "Hey guys, love the show. I've I've really learned a lot. I was wondering if you could do kudzu as a weed of the week on your television show. Yes, we certainly can. Kudzu is a tremendous problem, especially in the southern United States. It's all over the place if you go down there, and a lot of people are trying to figure out what they can do to get that under control. So yes, we can certainly address that." Okay, uh, next one here is from Keith in Ohio who says, I was out spraying R3 fungicide. Uh, let's see, so this is soybeans. So soybeans R3, that would be first pot. Anyway, he says, I was out spraying R3 fungicide and insecticide today. And yeah, he just sent this today to us. And I found some spots that have some weed escapes. I'm dealing with some cockleburr, red root pigweed, and annual morning glory. These are LLGT27 soybeans in 30-inch rows that have been slow to canopy due to late planting, due to too much rain early, then too little rain since. I realize there isn't anything labeled at the current growth stage, uh, but I'm wondering if glyphosate or glufosinate will hurt my yield if, I'm, if I spray them now. Uh, do I think they'll hurt your yield? No. Now, I can't recommend that you use them because we're past the point where you can spray them. Glufosinate's R1, glyphosate would be R2. Now, you could possibly go out with something else, and I, I hate to even suggest this, but you, you certainly could use something like Cobra. 
Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head first rate how late you can go with that, but that would have certainly good activity on Cocklebur. Um, I mean, there are some other products that can be used here. So I, I'm I, I, I'm never going to advise somebody to do something off-label. Also, he asks the most important question here, in my opinion, is, okay, for next year, what can I do differently to help? I've had the same late-season weed problems the last two years. Now, these are planted in no-till, May 27th, sprayed the same day with 44 ounces of glyphosate, 2 ounces of Valor, 5 ounces of Metribuzin, a quart of Prowl H2O, then post-sprayed at R4 with Liberty and Metolachlor. Now, where, where you lost me here is when it says post-sprayed at R4. I wonder if that means V4 uh, with Liberty and Metolachlor because Metolachlor would have to be early in the season. But you've got a good herbicide program. I mean, that is, that's a really good herbicide program. The only other thing I would suggest throwing in there potentially, in addition to, well, first of all, let's start with this. Could you increase the rate of Valor? Yes. You're using two ounces. Could you use three? Absolutely. Using five ounces of Metribuzin in our farm, we use about 11. Um, using one quart of Prowl, we'll use a quart and a half. So could you up the rate of any of those three products and would it give you more late season residual? Absolutely. Especially the Valor. That's the number one thing that I would do is I would up my Valor rate or I'd switch it to authority. One or the other and, and you'll be in good shape. Okay, in, in, with your Liberty Metolachlor thing, the other thing that you could do, and you wouldn't even have to run Liberty necessarily if you did it early enough, we do a lot of, in our region of the country, well, actually all over the country, uh, we, there's a lot of Flexstar together with Metolachlor. So could you do that? Absolutely, and that would definitely help. So those are just some things that could help you for next year. Also, if you don't have a big problem with sclerotinia white mold like we do, you could go to narrower rows. Narrower rows will close that canopy faster, and then you will absolutely get better weed control. Okay, got time for one more question here. This is from Todd, who says, I have a very bad outbreak of hemp dogbane in my hay fields. What kind of spray can I use, and should I brush hog it down before spraying? I have, uh, a, a, well, anyway... I'll just say this. I don't know what you got here for hay. If we're talking alfalfa hay, the only thing that's going to work is Roundup and Roundup Ready Alfalfa. If it is grass hay, I'll be honest, hemp dog mane is tough, and I have always had the best control with glyphosate. So if I had a wick and the hemp dog mane was high, rather than brush hogging it, I would go out there and I'd wick it. So I, I, I basically a rope wick. So I, I get glyphosate on those hemp dog mane plants. We used to spot spray them. I mean, like literally hand spray them with a bean rider years and years ago. You have to keep the glyphosate rate really high and the water rate really low because hemp dog bean, the, uh, the, the product will run off the leaves pretty easily. But anyway, in a in, in grass hay ground, could you go out there even with like 2,4-D and just burn it back? You sure could. In order to get control, you're probably going to have to run a stout rate three or four times a year for three or four years. So you're not going to have a lot of fun doing that if it's a grass hay crop, but that would definitely hold it back. And eventually that, that hemp dog bane would start to disappear. Yes, I feel for you. It is certainly a tough weed to deal with, a tough perennial. All right. Well, we hope you have enjoyed our show today. Before we go, I just want to say thanks to our production staff. My sister Janelle was running the controls for us. Uh, thanks to all our guests and thanks to everybody who wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.